Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to The Small Council, a Game of Thrones podcast. All right, Solo, I'm uh, recording whenever the fuck you're ready. Fucking ready. Welcome to another edition of The Small Council, a Game of Thrones podcast. Initial reaction, season six, episode four, entitled Book of the Stranger. And we don't mean BRs, we mean the TV show. Hello, I'm Heath Solo. Oh, wait a minute. I'm Heath Snowlo. And we're going to get into this episode i can't wait to find out who loved it who hated it who loved it who hated it i like to repeat myself <laughs> let's welcome in mr mr louis louisiana outside the bar great podcast with you and axel a few days ago uh it was so great because donald's like i gotta go and axel kept going no one more thing one more thing it was like you on trial you should have just said trial by combat Don. episode buddy i actually really like this episode and it was a it was a lot of talking which normally those are not the best to me but i feel like a lot of stuff got said that needed to be said and a lot of plots moved on wow that's what happens in episode four people donald likes the episode yeah and every every episode four of every season daenerys burns something and then walks away (laughs) yeah and then they have a big uh loud theme (laughs) to get us all excited dracarys mikey hall what did you think of this episode buddy uh i thought it was great i mean i think i have a slightly lower bar than donald so i think we're in good shape now (laughs) well said my friend and last but not least well the dj is resting up we wish you the best to our timmy hines he's spinning a uh I don't know, a yellow wedding, so he can't be with us tonight. But Mr. Axel Foley, initial reaction of the episode. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Donald. I mean, I, I love it was propulsive. Things were happening. It, it was and, and you know what? It felt to me almost like this was episode seven or eight or something. You know what I mean? Like. I, I, that's why I keep on having this hope that we're almost going to get like a double season this season. And I hope that a lot of this stuff is actually going to go down soon and it's not, you know, or we're going to get a bunch of big episodes, but I was really excited. Yeah, I was too. I, I really enjoyed this episode a lot and I'm going to admit folks when, uh, John, so and Sansa reunite, I actually shedded some tears. I don't know if I dropped something on my foot at the time, but it no, it really affected me because we've been trying to we're like Starks and Jon Snow, oh Bran sees Jon, but they're not going to get together and they've missed. And this time I did not expect at Winterfell Jon Snow and Sansa to reunite. 
So Axel, since we got you hot on the mic, what did you think of that reunion? Yeah, I thought it was really touching, man. And it's kind of crazy too. It actually, you know what, Heath Soul, it made me think of you as an actor because it's, yeah, it's so interesting that these people who are so associated with this show, these two haven't done a scene together since I think it was what episode three or episode four of the series. Yeah. I was, you know, it's funny. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, they, I mean, cause I re- always remember the Aria Jon Snow scene where he gives her a needle and they hug and that's it. And I can't even remember like Jon Snow and Sansa being together. So it's been a while. Yeah. A long while, man. So even as actors, that must be kind of funny that they're so associated as these Stark kids and they haven't done a scene together in years. And it was emotional. I I thought it was, man. And I thought they played it out perfectly. I'd have to agree with you. I mean, I literally, I mean, I literally found myself like had tears and I'm like, what the heck? It's just the beginning of the episode. It's only season six, episode four, but it just, I don't know. It just tug on my heartstrings. Donald, did it tug on your no, I'm not that sentimental, but it was a really good scene, and I felt like the, the two uh, actors really played well off of each other, which is something that I, I always worry about when you get those child actors, and then they grow up. You never really know what you're going to get, but I think that uh, I think both of them actually have come along a very, very long way, especially Kid Harrington, is he would he had some real terrible acting in the, in the early on, and then Sansa, she was I mean she was always a kid and she was a sweet kid, so. You kind of let that slide, and she she had a little more intense plot lines to deal with. But uh, I was actually really excited by all the scenes they had together because, like I said, they played well off of each other. And this is one of the things that excited me whenever I heard at the beginning uh, of the year that they would be going off book, and you know they're, they're taking a little more liberties to do things that they, they uh, you know necessarily can't or didn't do in the book. Because I, I really feel like in the book those star kids are never going to meet until like the last page of the last book. So now I see like a, a opportunity where we could even get Rickon and have sort of that little Stark reunion that everybody wants. But, uh, you know, in a book necessarily, it's, it's, you don't necessarily have to pander to your audience as much. But, you know, everybody's been wanting them to come together and we want to see these, these guys start to come together. And these near misses that are pissing everybody off, they can stop doing that now. Yeah, and I like the fact that John even says, like, oh, I'm going to go here, but you're coming with me. And they, he established that quickly, like, I'm not going to go on my own. You're, you're with me. And I like how Sansa actually convinces him what we need to do is take down the Boltons, take down, you know, take back the North. And he kind of gives that nod, okay. So with that said, Mikey Hull, you have the final word or – one of the final words. But what did you think of the Sansa Jon Snow reunion? Of course, it, as in the TV show, as we don't see it in the, we don't read it in the book. Well, I mean, I was just happy to see them move forward with, you know, this Sansa, you know, as opposed to like she gets around John and just kind of crumples and is like, oh God, thank, thank, thank God. Now there's somebody here to like tell me what to do again. Um, you know, that was my main fear, and they avoided that, so that was great. So if we're all agreed that it was a good scene and that we're happy with where it's at, how the hell are they going to take Winterfell? That's a very good question, Michael. Um, now, in the show, we find out that it looks like Peter Baelish 
is going to say, we're going to take the troops from the Vale to help Sansa and John take on the Boltons. So is, is, and with 2,000 wildlings, now that we find out it's not 5,000, Axel, do you think that'll be enough to take over the Boltons? Oh, you know what? That's a great, that's great. Is that we talked a little? Is that what you guys meant, Mike? Is that what you were going to say? Well, there's. I mean, I think there's a number of possibilities. There's the wildlings. There's you know this thing with Baelish, but also, I mean, so many of um, Stannis's army left after they burned Shireen. That it all of a sudden occurred to me that maybe that would be a reason why Davos still is appearing in any form on this show. Because, you know, the whatever the, the leftovers of Stannis' army, whatever those remnants are, wouldn't follow the Red Woman because they, you know, they bailed after burning Shireen, but those people might be willing to follow Davos. Hmm. Well, maybe, maybe, you know, I don't know. I have a feeling like maybe we might, con- I don't know if they have time to do this and how successful it would be or if he's going to run into I guess they know they don't did they they don't know how he they got he got Rickon though right like because he didn't say in the letter oh and by the way the Umbers and the Starks are with me so I just wonder if if John is if basically we might see like a little party and John kind of stopping at different people trying to rally them, you know. But they usually skip over stuff like that in this show. Remember when the War of the Five Kings started and then all of a sudden there was just a war was happening? <laughs> right? So I don't know, but I could see that sounds like a good couple of places that he could get people from. What did you think, Donald? I, th- I think that um, I like the idea of what Mike said, but... Unless those men are just like in the middle of, of the the um, the snow, just waiting, then I don't know how you could gather them all up if they scattered. Uh, well, I, a lot of them, a lot of them were cell swords, but not all of them. And so uh, I'm wondering if the ones who weren't cell swords, maybe those people are actually kind of spread out amongst the houses in the north, and they might be involved in talking them back to the Stark side. I mean, yeah, like Axel mentioned, you know, the Umbers and all those guys are, are currently saying they're signed up with Ramsey, but they could probably be talked out of it. I, I just think that personally the, the Dave and Dan sort of uh, remix quick fix is that they uh, John sends out Ravens. Uh, some people probably don't reply or reply that, you know. They're God, that's so Raven, dog. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they go and they, they go in 2,000 versus 5,000. And then at the last minute, Baelish's army sweeps in just like they've done on the show like 18,000 times. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking that that's what's going to happen. Uh I, I feel like the battle for Winterfell, they've already set it up. And if it if they just talk about it now for like the next 3 or 4 episodes, then it's kind of it kind of gets rid of that uh build up. So I think that they're going in either, either next episode or the episode after that we're going to see the fight. Uh otherwise it's just hey, let's talk about Winterfell and get everybody hyped up and then we don't see anything for two or three episodes, kind of like what they did with Tower of Joy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they set so much stuff up that I'm getting the feeling more and more that, like I said, that we're going to have like a big episode five and then we're going to have another mm-hmm. big episode eight or not. You know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah. I don't know. That's just a feeling I'm this there's a lot of stuff happened in this episode. Yeah, and on a side note, uh Sansa does tell John, you know, whoever we can rally uh other houses in the north that aren't signed up with the Bolton. So there's that thing there too where there's still the North still remembers and there's gotta be some banners that are still out there that'll join up with them. So I mean there's men to be had. I mean they they still have a giant I think that gives them a slight edge, at least long enough to to hold off Ramsey's men. But we've seen that the Ramsey's men are really good in battle. So I think we're going to lose a lot of people. And mm-hmm. uh, we, it's, it's just all about who, who can join Rally against his cause. He seems to already have the Wildlings. Uh, they, they're already in. So um, my only problem is that what does this do to the, you know, the, the pending battle of the, the White Walkers, which Ed seems to be the only one that cares about. Yeah. Did you also see uh, Tormund kind of eyeing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, go for it, Tormund, man. <laughs> what is her name? What the hell? I can't Brienne. remember her name. Brienne. 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 Yeah, he looked at her and was like, that's a whole lot of women. I want some of that. Yeah, they make a good couple, man. Um, I, I, You know, I, I, uh, the thing that – oh, okay. This is what I want to ask about this whole, if we're on the wall here, mm-hmm. do the conversation that John and um, uh, Sansa had, do you think that he, he mentions, I can't stay here, like after what happened here, but do you think he told her, did anyone tell her like BTW, he got murdered and was brought back to life like yesterday? I mean, I don't think it was clear. I don't think they said. Agreed. I it, The way they played it, it made me feel like she didn't know. Correct. I, I got that same feeling. Donald, did you get any feeling in your cockles? I, I think it's, I just think it wasn't clear. A lot of stuff was said off screen. And probably if she did, did know, then a lot of their reaction was also off screen. I, just, I think that from the writer's standpoint, they just figured it didn't matter. The, the big thing about that was the reunion and then moving the story on. Okay. And, and you know, they already did the big reaction with everyone. And then, you, you know, the next episode, you're going to have another reaction. Like, every, does, do you really have to have that reaction with everybody that Jon Snow meets from now until the end of the series? So I, I just think they don't care about it that much. I don't Well, that's what's interesting to me is how, you know, because I think every time I see Jon Snow, the thing I'm thinking about is that he just got brought back to life. How is it changing him? How is it affecting him? And he does seem to be much more himself, like yeah. like less pretense and even laughing at himself, sulking in the corner, you know, and just like like coming to emotion a little bit more quickly, not trying to act so Boy Scouty. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of liking it, but I don't know. That just interests me to whether that's going to be a thing, whether people, whether she said it or not. But the answer, to go back to what you were saying before about what's the point then if he goes down there, well, I mean, I guess the hope would be that this then solidifies, we can then, you know, we need Westeros to solidify in order to fight that dark power, right? Or they're just going to not be ready for it. 
No, that's the other option, right? <laughs> yeah, that's just going to interrupt this battle. Yeah, but to, to go back to the point you were making earlier, I like the fact that Jon Snow did say, well, you know, uh, I, I promised to death, and um, so now I did die, I gave my life. I like the fact that he said that, but overall it doesn't seem to really matter that much that he died. You know, it's it, it, there's no... It didn't set any real events into motion. Like, uh, I feel like everything would have still happened, you know, if if, um, if Sansa would have came back regardless of John coming back. Rickon still would have got kidnapped regardless of John coming back. The only thing that, that seems to have mattered is that now every every few episodes, Melisandre's saying, oh, he's the Prince of Promise, and now let me walk away again, because we'll save that for later. That seems to be the only thing that really changes. I don't see, I don't see any reason for killing him as of yet and, and having to bring him back. <laughs> I, I like the exchange between Davos and Melisandre. Okay, yeah. I'm glad that he finally asked her what the hell happened to Shireen. Yeah, and I she was like about that. to say something, and then Brienne came in. I like that part, too. Because she just, like, had to let it let it be known. You know, this this is what I did, so take that. And I, I, was, I was ready for Melisandre to, like, you know, get on the defense, but... I think that Brienne feels like, for the most part, that she avenged him, but she still has her eye on that on the Red Woman. Three way. Yeah. I I was uh, I I I was thinking I thought Brienne might kill her right there. <laughs> that would have been shocking. But Davos said, "What's in the past is in the past." All right, moving on. Mikey Hull, did you care what was going on with Marine, with Tyrion, and the heads of the cities, or did you fast forward through it? <laughs> um, it was, yeah, I mean, it's good. I, I think it's pretty clearly a, a, like, just a way to stall. Like, not just for the story, but, uh, you know, but I also think that it's basically, like, Tyrion has this kind of, like, what the fuck else am I supposed to do? You know, he's got that kind of attitude all the time. And so I think even from his perspective, it's a stalling tactic, um, which is fine with me, you know. It was good. It was not great, but it was nice to see um, Grey Worm and Melisandre kind of... Uh, that's not her name, sorry. Uh, Grey Worm and... Um, Missandei. Thank you, Missande. It was nice to see them have a conflict. You know, it was interesting to see them, like, kind of have to learn and, and rethink a little bit because they, you know, we've kind of seen them, like, have some emotion for each other, which was nice, but this was a different kind of, of development for their character. So there was something about, you know, something good about that, but I don't really know how that's going to play out later. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I really like this. I'm going to, I felt like that. It, I, I know maybe it's false hope. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I, I saw Mike sitting there like smirking at me <laughs> <laughs> through the, uh, through the computer. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I kind of liked it. I liked it because it really it was the first time in the history of the Danny kind of storyline, even though she's not there, right? That, somebody offered the idea of compromise. It's like never been offered before. Every situation that she gets in into these cities is like you listen or you die 
or they try to kill her, right? Like nobody's ever comp trying to compromise. So the far the fact that it even has the dialogue started, I think is it's interesting to see if she returns, which now it looks like of course she will, with a bunch of other people. Is she then gonna tell them, you know, lay waste? Take the Kalisar to lay waste to all lay waste to all of them, or is she gonna say, "Oh, look, okay, hey Tyrion, maybe you have some good idea here. I need to learn how to be, how to rule." But uh, you know, that's her story, right? Well, yeah. And breaking news: Heath Solo always loves everything. I freaking hate this. <laughs> I hate Masande and Obama worm. I hate it all. It's just I don't. <laughs> Even in the long shot. Ooh, poofy hair. Stanton. Great. I, I'm done. I'm... <laughs> it's like, stop funding the Sons of the Hoppy. We don't fund the Sons of the Hoppy. Well, stop anyway. <laughs> I'm done. Donald, I'm done with it. I'm done with Marine. I'm done with Hoppies. I'm finished. Are you? Oh, look, look. Here's here's the thing. I didn't I didn't feel like anything that happened in Marine this, this go-round was that bad. Uh, it, it, it did further the plot, but the problem that, that you have with Marine is that what they've done is created a almost a, as, as politically, you know, intriguing and uh, complicated a, a plot in Marine as they have in King's Landing. And there's no real easy solution to it. And there's, there's no, it's almost, you, you can almost have five or five or six seasons worth of plot. But everything that you do is, is there's no quick fix. And, and the problem is that we have King's Landing, which was established from the start, and that was the destination for Danny. And then they give us this other King's Landing that's keeping her away from the one that we want. So even though at times it's, it's painful to watch, at other times it's kind of fun, it, it's hard to like it, and it's hard to root for anything to happen in that particular plot because everything that happens involves Danny having to stay there or, or do something, even to this point, where Tyrion does make the compromise, it's a seven-year plan. So it, there's no quick fix to this, and, and it kind of worries me because now Danny has this army. Uh, so I guess she has an army. We don't know what's going to happen with that. They still don't have any ships or anything. So is Danny going to bring, like Axel said, her her mind frame of, you know, I'm I'm a conqueror. I'm Danny. I do all these things. Oh, you have to listen to me. Is she going to come and fuck that up? And, and, you know, is she even, she's, is she even worthy enough to be sort of a, a, um, a ruler? You know, Tyrion has shown the ability to compromise the ability for peace, which everybody may not like, but it is really the only thing you can do at this point. Danny's approach has never worked and everything that she has done has been undone. So maybe that's like a, you know, come to Jesus moment and, and she'll realize and humble herself a little bit. And maybe she won't. I mean, there's really no immediate resolution to the Marine plot that you can see in any foreseeable future. So that's the constant uh, problem with this. I don't know about that. I mean, I think, you know, okay, once, because, I mean, they've like they took pains to describe the Kalisars being 100,000 strong three separate times in this one episode. Uh -huh. You know, and so I think that there's a real chance that, you know, like I said, is more or less a stalling tactic from Tyrion's side. And she basically just shows up with, you know, 100,000 dudes on horses and just murders everybody who wants to complain about it. And the knot is cut. 
The knot is cut straight, you know, clean through. Everybody's dead. They can take the boats that the guy said he was going to give her that haven't been burned yet and get on the move. I think Look, I agree t- with that. I agree with that, but that's 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 my problem too cuz if that happens, which is that is a quick resolution, but then we're left with why did Tyrion have to come over there? What was the point of any of that? What was the point of making peace or, or showing these like interesting scenes with Varys and Tyrion if she's just going to come and kill everybody? Yeah, see, that's my point. Is I think I'm arguing. I think you guys are both. I guess a little right. I I think Mike. I I like it. I think it's a way out, and I think that she can. The only way though is for her to come back, and instead of hearing of what Tyrion did. And being like, you betrayed, blah, blah, blah. Like, actually thinking for the first time and saying, but see, I've well, got I to make a long-term investment in these people. But that's, what I, but that's, I think, part of what I'm saying, which is that is she doesn't need to make a long-term investment in those people. She needs to learn a lesson on her way. She needs to get on a <clears> boat and, like, Tyrion, like, read her a couple of books on the way over there. And that, that those <laughs> skills will actually be much more useful in Westeros then they will be, you know, she can teach him about dragons. He can teach her about not burning the whole place down. But ultimately what happened if Slaver's Bay is, is, you know, burned to the ground on the way out, I don't think that really matters. To her, to the story, to anybody in Westeros, oh, I see, I disagree. to the dragons. I disagree because I... And frankly, I would be happy to see that whole side of this world just <laughs> be completely like... Oh, man. Burned to the ground and <laughs> and filled with salt and never to be planted again. I I I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> I think that it is there's there's got to be the lesson has to be that you have to allow people to form their own government by also sometimes though change does have to be pushed through certain changes like. No more slavery, and they and like Tyrion says, there's new, there's different ways. Maybe they make it shorter than seven years or so. You know what I'm saying? But be, having people being compensated plus plus reparations, things of that nature. I mean, it's a complicated thing that obviously there's an example in this country of it being gone horribly wrong. Exactly. And so there. Maybe what George, through his writing and through this experience with Danny, is trying to show there is maybe a way to work through it. And I would hope that this story could show. No, but I don't think I don't think it requires for her to stay there. No, but it but that require that's not what I'm saying. If they if something like that was going to happen, then I think she would have been able to turn one of these slightly more educated societies because what you're talking about requires her to also civilize 100,000 Dothraki minus however many assholes just burned in the hovel. Like, you know, she's got to basically teach all of these yeah, people. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, and that's, <laughs> so, that's way that. more complicated. <laughs> I think those guys are just going to pull out their curved swords yeah. and murder. Yeah, well, that, that yeah, that, uh, I don't know, man, right? This well, not, here's, yeah. here's, here's, here's what I'll add to that. If you would have asked me last week, uh, uh, you know, how do you feel about what Mike just said? I would have been 100% on board, just burn the whole city and just leave. I feel like this week should have been the week that Danny was there because the, I think a really big lesson would have been to watch what Tyrion just did. Whether or not she agreed with it 100%, at least she's understanding the idea of compromise, which is what Axel was saying. But the fact that she wasn't even there, I don't even think that she'll get the full lesson of that. And, you know, she could come and burn the city and then just leave. 
or what she might do, I think is probably the best thing to do is sort of, you know, put Masandi in charge or, or leave Varys there or probably even Tyrion. I know everybody wants Tyrion to come with her, but I, I do think that she put in a lot of effort to that. And whether whether or not most people would like to see that city just burn and leave it alone, I don't think she's there yet. I think she put in a lot of time and she probably wants to see some sort of a success or some sort of a lesson learned from that. Yeah. And you know what, man? The stallion mounts the world, right? The whole yeah, wants- thing, not just the West. You got to get the East. You got to mount the East, too. So she's Dude, mounting it all. And I already mounted everything. Don't but, worry. But I still think she might be the bad person, too. She might end up being the big bad one. I have no problem with that. As long as it's going somewhere yeah. and we're not just wasting time watching all this. Well, since we're already here. Um... Can I just say, though, that last week I was like, yo, me and my lady are like, she's going to get burned and all this stuff's going to get burned and nothing's going to get hurt. And then everybody's going to fall to their knees again. I mean, so not only did that actually happen, which was great to see because that was kind of wishful thinking, but they also gave her agency in it, which is something that we've been complaining about forever. Like, what are you going to do? Like now all of a sudden you're going to pick up a sword. Like you have nothing without, you know, the Unsullied, or you have nothing without your dragons, whatever. But that was one interesting thing tonight, is that her weapon is not the dragons. Her weapon is fire, right? And we've been, we've seen that over and over, you know, but the idea that we see the woman in, you know, the Dush Kaleen lighting those things on fire and kind of moving around it, like, I was glad to see, because that was another thing, is that the first time that this happened, basically, it, you know, it was a funeral pyre. It wasn't the kind of, it wasn't a power move the way this one was. So it was nice to see it not just like people sentenced her to this, and then she was like, fine, light me on fire. We'll see what happens. But she actually had agency in it and actually did the attacking. Yeah, yeah. Because we've been complaining yeah. about that for so long. It was nice to see it go the other way. No, uh, but, but to still be, to be fair, I mean, it's sort of the same thing that happened in the House of the Undying, except on a little larger scale. And she didn't, I mean, she had the dragons at that point, but she commanded them to shoot the fire through her and burn those guys. I mean, it is, but it's also like what more interesting no. thing has happened with her yeah, since yeah. the house. Well, yeah, I, I disagree, Donald. I don't. I, I think well, that's fair. I mean, it's fire. You know, that's like saying it's like the first fire. You know, it is. It's fire. But I agree with you, Mike. I think that was a really. But that's what like you're saying that, and then it's like that's great story. But then think about what we just talked about 10 minutes before like she left all this other shit behind. <laughs> so it's like, you kind of think like there's a version of this story where Carl Drago dies out there in that desert and she sends the guys out. And then one of the guys comes back and then they go to that field. Right. And then they, we skip all this other stuff. <laughs> and she goes right there. And instead of the her, you know, the fire starts and they bring the eggs. They're like, what are these? And then she comes out with the dragons and she has all the Dothraki six years ago. You know what I'm saying? So it's just that's what complicate. That's what complicated that scene to me is it was so triumphant. And yes, it was awesome that she took agency like we talked about donald on friday the dragon didn't come save her nothing came. she did it herself her belief in mm-hmm. herself you know what i mean she hasn't done that before like she purposefully sets herself on fire in front of all these people you know that's crazy 
But um, it was the only disappointing afterthought is, oh, she has this other mess that she still has to deal with, you know? Yeah. And Mike, uh, I mean, I want to ask Mike this because I, I don't I'm not that familiar with it. I haven't read the books in a while, but the fact that she just killed all the cows, does that automatically make everyone, you know, like uh, worship her now? No, I think that if they weren't scared of her and thought that they could, I think if they thought they could murder her on their own, that they would. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily, you know, means that they have to follow her. I just think it's more mm-hmm. of one of those, you know, similar to last time when they just kind of saw it and everybody was like, Bleh, I don't know what to do now, but I'm not messing with you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, that's... Uh, that was like a like what we talked about on Friday too, and I, I do have to say, Mike, congratulations on calling it. I didn't remember that, but when I started, the the memory came back to me. I still might have to check the podcast from last week, <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, but uh, but what I'll say is, is that she used their their glory against them. You know, when she was talking to them, it didn't have any effect in the end because she just ended up killing them. But that whole kind of speech where she was just so that shows the mindset of those people, which is there these people that are in forever waiting for that savior. So she gave it to them. You know what I mean? Like she right, could tell right. she could tell from their own leaders that all they ever did was sit around bragging about I'm gonna I'll take those horses blah 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 you know and she's like you talk about this but all you're doing is taking some fucking horses like fuck you I'm gonna take the world <laughs> well you, I mean you know? we could we we don't want to waste too much time on this it was a, it moved the story on pretty well I, I we've seen it. before yeah I liked it too but it, we've seen before that Danny has the ability to capture uh, the respect and uh, the the fear of people but the problem has always been can she keep that the follow so through think, yeah yeah so I think that's the lesson that we need to see for the rest of the season. Great. Oh, man. oh, hey, I'm on the podcast too. Hello. <laughs> what did you, what do you think, Heath Solo? Are you happy at the end of this? He said he hated it. <laughs> or was that just Marine? Well, or what did you think of this part? Yeah, this part I meant. At first I was like, here we go again. A, a, a Danny big ending of an episode. We're supposed to get excited for, but I like what Mike said with the fact that she, I mean, aside from, um, I, I still like when, was it in Yunkai or when she had the uh, dragons burn that one dude and then she got the Unsullied a few seasons back. I thought that that was a little more powerful, but I do like the fact that she caused the fire. She had, I'm assuming she had it in her mind when she was in there. That's what she was going to do. And I like the fact that it's like, see, motherfuckers, I am the freaking mother of dragons and I don't need dragons and the whole thing with the fire. I do like that she took control and it wasn't a Jorar and Dario 2.0 rescuing her. They kind of followed her lead in a sense. And they, they pretty much because that would have been ridiculous if they tried to take on all everyone to get her out of there. <laughs> So it worked out. I actually did like it. Uh, I'm more sick of Marine. I'm not so much sick of Danny because I do like. Dan- I'm still intrigued with Danny's character. I just, I'm just, I just hope we don't get a 
Three-Eyed Raven and Bran going back to Karth, seeing if Duck Sauce is still alive. As long as we don't get that, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> no, no I, I, I was down with it. And, I, you know, we had talked before about if she can rally the Kalasar uh, together, um, what would that do now? Hopefully it's to conquer Westeros or wherever the hell she's going to go now. But um, the only thing that bothers me, and what do you guys think, just because she comes out of fire and she's nude and she's not burnt, would do you think all those Dothraki would just bow to her that easy? I know Donald would, but would well, I would I would do exactly what Jorah did. I would get as close to the boobies as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, can I say this? Was that did they? Because remember, she said she was never going to get naked on the show again. But is it just me, or did they just take her body from the scene and put it and put her head on top of it? It did look kind of weird. Did anybody notice that? Her boobs did look a little. Uh... I'm telling you, they took it from the other scene and then stuck her head on top of it. I, think I mean, that, that seems possible. Yeah, that's what <laughs> they did with Cersei last year. So I mean, it's, it's not. Yeah, and, uh, it seemed like a more. Uh... A little but different. With Cersei, no, I think with Cersei it was a body double. Yeah, it was a body double. And they just put. But it I think Axel might be right that they, you know, I think that's an interesting point that they might have just taken a couple of shots of, and maybe even like not the shot that was actually used, but you know, some sort of a secondary shot or something like that. I, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a very good point. Instead of yeah. a double, something from her from previous. Yeah, I think they did. Which makes you wonder why. Why even make that statement that you won't get nude if they have the rights to use your body? You know, yeah. I, I don't. I don't well, you make that, that statement. Yeah. It's not just about the show itself. It's about your career in general and things that you know. You're kind of, you, you know, she may also have gotten a dozen things in a row that were like, you know, it's cool. You're just going to show your boobs. You do it on yeah. Game of Thrones, you know. Yeah. And so then she kind of made mm-hmm. a declaration, and it's even more about her general career than it is about that show in in particular. Yo, when you watch the first season again, you are surprised at the amount of time she is naked, and not only yeah. the amount of time she's naked, but the amount of time she's naked and totally submissive to the man or woman in the scene. So it's actually surprising that a lead actress, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, you know. Well, she was a newcomer at the time, wasn't she? So they True, true. Anyway. She's um, come a long way. I mean, yeah, that's fine. She could do whatever the hell she wants to do. But, you know, I mean, look, they probably told her what they were going to do. But, and I'm glad, I was thinking about that actually when the door opened. I was like, is she going to have like clothes on? Because they, she hasn't been naked since then. Well, you know, they did that scene earlier. Earlier in the season, where they ripped her clothes off and they just like side boop. Yeah, so I was thinking, yeah. oh, she's not doing any nudity anymore. Yeah. But but it was well, t- she, it was tasteful. But then again, yeah. she was on she was on what Conan a couple of weeks ago saying that she wanted equal male nudity too. So I don't know. Yeah, let's let's write that down. Um, Free the penis, guys. Look, yeah, we're all exactly doing. By the way, we're do- all of us are podcasting without our pants on right now. How'd you know? Oh, you can. See. That's right. Well. Just to back up a little bit, when she said, I'm not doing nudity anymore, there was the following season she did do nudity, so whatever. Maybe it was after she shot that. But um, i got to say, the best line is when uh, they, when Jorah and Dario see a Dothraki having sex, and Dario's like, I should have been a Dothraki. <laughs> I thought we were going to change the name of the podcast, I should have been born Dothraki. Is that not, <laughs> I thought that was the plan. Is that not the plan? 
that was that I'm really starting to like him, man. I'm really starting to like the new. I, I like the whole exchange or interchange between those two characters a lot, uh, especially the way Dario's kind of he keeps kind of side nudging Jorah that he he gets to have sex with Danny. Yeah, and the, I, I like that kind of stuff. That they're they're good together. All right, grayscale. I, I mean, do we? I mean, the fact that Dario knows he has grayscale is that going to affect his future with Danny? Or I mean, I'm, I'm not talking sexual future, but just the future. Is he going to say something? Is he going to worry? You know, he can infect because he was like, "Don't worry, I didn't touch you." Uh, do you think this is going to? I assume this is going to be a big deal, right, Axel? I still don't get why this is a thing, unless this is a larger thing, and those, those somehow, like we had when we first saw the grayscale, it was in so much of last season. I thought it was going to turn into some, they're going to be more important, like they're somehow like the the um, the uh, the whites or their. But I don't know. I mean, like whatever. If if he's gonna, if Jorah's gonna die or spread it, then get on with it already. But they, but then again, it seems like he can live with it for a long time. It's not really like really spreading that. It's not getting that much worse, right? How long does he have to live? It seemed like he could go on for a couple of years or something. Yeah, I mean, eventually it it calcifies your brain and, and it makes you go mad. But those, I mean, those people don't necessarily die from it. Mm. Well, that's a good point. I so, well, Mike, do you think that this is going to play a bigger role? Uh, I mean. I don't know. Is it going to play a bigger? I don't. I don't know. I think it. It may <laughs> okay. be more of like a way to um, basically kind of sacrifice Jorah. You yeah. know, I think like Jorah is going to end up in a position where he's like, you know, you know, go ahead, guys, like I'll stop him. You know, and and basically, <laughs> it's kind of a way for him to excuse that. You know. Because he knows he's going to die anyway. He's really not going to have any value. And so this is the way he can be the most valuable, sacrificing himself for his queen. Yeah, and I think that's going to end up being the, the point of us being introduced to it in the show. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it passes on to a, a sort of a main character that we care about. Because I don't, I don't think in the books he has it, right, Mike? I, not that I recall, no. He might, but they certainly don't make as big of a deal out of it as they do in the 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 main question I recall was whether was whether or not Tyrion got it. Yeah, from the he, book, he definitely. Yeah, he definitely got touched. I think he got touched in the show as well, but people were screenshotting and stuff, so I don't know. But it doesn't seem like, at least not as the books at where they were at, it doesn't seem like Tyrion has it. Yeah. All right, Donald, I got a question for you. Okay, what's up? How the hell did Theon get on a boat quick? Like, <laughs> I, don't understand. I don't know where he was. Wasn't he like in the middle of Winterfell or around yeah. that area? They were in snow on their way to Castle Black, and all of a sudden he's on a boat, no problem. And then you see, uh, you know, Yara or whatever, like, I heard you were back. And she was sitting like her father is by the fire. So I guess, did <laughs> or did they just kind of... Jump you know, I, I, I'm not as bad as, as Tim Hines with that, that kind of stuff, but I understand the, the reasoning behind it. You know, you don't necessarily need to show him, you know, wandering for two or three episodes. And then it's, it's sort of like in Lost, where in, you know, season one and two and three, they would trek for like a whole episode. And then when it got to season five and six, 
it was just and they were just where they needed to be. You know, <laughs> you, you you understood after a while. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do this off screen. Let's save a little bit of time. But uh, it's always been an issue with with the time and everything. And then the way Gilly's baby doesn't seem to get that much older, no matter how many seasons it's been and and stuff like that. And you know, little finger is moving around and, and stuff like that. And even you know, Sansa and then everyone getting to the wall. That was that was like what one episode. So uh it's always been harder to show in the show where you you only have ten episodes, you know, as opposed to a book where you can do a couple of chapters of walking and talking. So I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking about this, um, because the last this season has been kind of bad about it, especially with the Theon stuff and some other storylines that seem disjunctive, and. I kind of, this is the way I was thinking about it. As long as they never use that as a plot device, then I'm okay with it. You know what I mean? Like trick us and um, all of a sudden we find out that Sam actually left for the wall five years ago and now he's a maester. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. As, I agree. Long, as long as they don't trick us with it, I don't mind it. Because it's such a sprawling story and their modes of travel are so ancient that I don't really have a problem with it. So I never really worry about that kind of stuff, though it is a little bit, you know, I mean, yeah, Yeah. you're right. Like he escaped all of Ramsey's other guys and he, you know what I mean? Like, and he's on his own, by the way, Yeah, no money, no nothing. (laughs) He jumped off a friggin uh, tower, you know? So, but, you know, he made it, I guess. Yeah, usually I don't worry about that stuff. It just, it happened so quick. If it was later on, I'd deal with it more. But, eh, you know, you're right. Well, it's, if, 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 uh, I think Mike, Mike can probably back me up on this. I think even in the books, they give you a little uh, precursor or a little warning that, you know, some of these stories aren't happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, because in the books, it's like it's very more like it's it's, it's really more detailed. Uh, that stuff will be happening, and it's not necessarily all these stories aren't necessarily happening at the same time. Yeah, there is. I don't remember the details of it, but there's kind of you know there's kind of a like don't bust my balls thing in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They just they just made the mistake of doing the Brienne Sansa storyline and coincide it with the Theon since they were together, and then the same episode we find out where they made it. So it almost looks like he made it to the Iron Islands same time as they got to the wall. So it just, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, it's just a little nitpicky thing. It's not a huge deal. I just was like, how did he get by himself? Get Find the right boat to get there. That's all. Yeah. Well, I'm all more right. interested in the, the whole, the idea that Theon isn't going to put himself in the running. And, you know, he's sort of uh going to back Donald Trump, I mean, uh, Yara, whatever, what's her name? <laughs> so he's, he sort of dropped out of the race and he's going to, he's putting his, uh, you know, his, all his eggs in the basket of Yara. So what does that mean for the future of the, of the Iron Islands? Did you have to say eggs in the basket? <laughs> no, but oh, I couldn't okay. think of anything else to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, his eggs, get it? Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I like, I, I thought that was great. I thought that was it's you know it's moving it along and like she at least did the good thing is that she said something like the king's moot which is tomorrow afternoon at four p.m. <laughs> three, three, three p.m. Central, <laughs> you know. So that's like we're going to do this soon, audience. 
Yeah. It'll probably be one episode, honestly. I hope. Yeah, good, because I don't. I want to just like try to figure out why I care about it and what it's going to do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think the thing is, you th- think they have ships. Um, you right? don't, and yeah. not much. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> All right, that's I not gotta... book knowledge. That's just my like shit attitude about that whole universe. I mean, I, there's some book knowledge about that, but not enough to declare it pointless. But I'm declaring it pointless. All right. All right, one thing that upset me this episode is our girl, Osha, gets killed by Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, as they, I was like, you know, perfect match. She can handle him. She'll be able to do, and then the shot of the knife, you're like, there's no way she's going to kill Ramsey. And I was kind of pissed off she got killed. I liked her. You know, we hadn't seen her in a while, of course, but <sighs> I just felt... I don't know. I just felt like it was like maybe they after too quick. Granted, what what role would she really have to play? Um, maybe protect, protect Recon in some way. But then, you know, watching last week's episode again, I forgot the card Stark likes little boys. And when I heard that, I'm like, oh, no, don't do this or I'm quitting. Um, <laughs> did, uh, Mike, did you uh, OSHA getting killed? Is that something that upset you or you're kind of like, eh, all right. I mean, I don't really care about her so much. It's just, in general, I'm really curious how Ramsey's going to die, you know. And part of me is, you know, I'm just kind of, is it just wishful thinking because I want him to die? Or, like, but there's part of me that feels like, you know, Osha killing him, just a character kind of coming out of nowhere who's, like, always been a, a bit of a likable badass, but kind of just comes out of nowhere and kills him all by herself. I'm just more than anything else. I'm just curious how he's going to go. So I was really watching it for that. And then when she got stabbed, my reaction was more about his lack of getting stabbed than her actual experience with it. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, uh, um, I don't know. I guess what it made me think is, cause I was still thinking, is this a setup? Like, was she, were her and Rickon sent in there to kill, so she, so they knew about Ramsey and his uh, predilections, so they knew that she would be brought to him, and she was going to, I mean, she was playing him from the beginning, or, I mean, that's what she would do anyway, she's a smart girl, she's, she knows, right? Um, but I think it was inevitable, and in a way... And it's a sad thing to say. I was just happy that we were then saved from having to watch Ramsey rape her repeatedly or torture her, <laughs> you know? So. Now, do you think, Axel, I know um, some uh, people have theorized that, you know, the umbers, the, the dude not kneeling, not, you know, kissing Ramsey's feet, but bringing him a gift, that it was kind of like a fake out. And that maybe, so was it, do you think, the whole time she was there to kill Ramsey and the Umbers knew that, or do you think she did it on her own? No, no. I think that they did it. I think they turned against the Starks. I think they really did. And I think that these, this is like a new generation of kids who are not, I don't think this conspiracy that I guess is in the books, right? That grand, we talked about on Friday, the grand Northern conspiracy. No, it's not. Well, it's not in the books. It's Mike, you know about that, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. It's it's more of kind of a mythos thing, you know. It's right. a, it's not exactly fan fiction, so it's but not it's definitely a, fan theory. There's no spoiler to say that. It's just a theory that people, you know what I mean? We're at the same point. We can now Correct. share it together. And it's a very deeply developed theory in the sense of, like, certain, you know, oddly obsessive people have written a lot about picking out half sentences from, you know, page 400 of book two and being like, see, that proves it. But, you know, so there's a lot of kind of compelling cases around it, but there is no, there's no general, you know, agreement. I mean, I could see it happening, but then I guess either way she died. And I mean, I did like the character, but I don't see what they were going to do with her. She, I mean, she was always a cool character, but I think she's out, outlived her usefulness. And what we've seen in the show is that they're consolidating a lot of these characters that, you know, uh, don't seem to have much purpose at this point. Uh, I think someone asked the in- interesting question of how Ramsey's going to die. And uh, was, that, was that DJ or, or somebody maybe on another podcast that said that, that they had the theory that Theon was going to Winterfell? Yeah, yeah, it was DJ Tim Hines. Yeah. So there you go, DJ. You're wrong. I think at this point, it's 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 probably if I had to guess, I'd say at, at some point Sans is gonna sneak up or catch him wounded and take him out. I think that that that's probably the most satisfying of all the of the options if Jon Snow himself doesn't just kill him in battle. Yeah, well, I'm wrong too because two seasons ago I predicted Theon would kill Ramsay. So I'm wrong. I think. So speaking of being wrong, okay, we got um, before we end the podcast tonight. Uh, I mean, we do have some Marjorie, High Sparrow, Loris stuff. Uh, we, you know, my first thing was when I saw Loris, all I was like, man, he seems like in worse shape than Theon, and less has happened to him. Um, and then, of course, I wanted uh, Bubba and Catfish to ring that shame bell uh, <laughs> as they do on their pod. Uh, so Axel, did you, um, let me ask you this. Marjorie doesn't seem as broken, um, as say a Cersei was, but I think it's possible combining it with, uh, King's Landing that the Tyrells and Lannisters will actually come together to help each other out, whether or not it's the Lannisters one over on the Tyrells or whatnot. You had mentioned that a while back that that was your theory before the season, then it looked like maybe it's not going to go that way, but I think we could be headed that way. What are some of your thoughts on that Folo? Um, you know, this was interesting to me because I really did think that Marjorie was falling under the spell of the high sparrow and what Cersei, the information that Cersei passed on from Tommen that she was going to repent and do the walk and all that. I'm not so sure that's what she actually said because she was telling her brother, hold on, don't let them in. Don't, you know what I mean? Like, don't give them anything, you know? And he was just so desperate. Was that then she made the decision? Is that what we're led to believe? Well, I, I think that it's entirely possible that Cersei just made that up. Yeah. That's what I'm start. That's what I'm thinking. Like, this is like some more subterfuge, on her part, that's Tommen may have told her something completely different. He's, you know, hmm. and, and it just gave her that idea that if she went down there, 
and said that that's what was going to happen, then the Queen of Thorns would go for this plan. But I also think this plan is horrible. Again, why would they let the Tyrells and their army into King's Landing? Like they're, they're, what else are they going to do? I don't, I don't know, but I just think, again, this is like an ill-conceived plan. This is just like a lot. This is like they're going to open up the gates of King's Landing and let someone take over. How's this going to end? Now, I don't know who's going to die. Like, I feel like everybody's going to try to kill each other after that. It's all about Dorne. Maybe, right? I don't know. We haven't, yeah, we haven't seen them. Well, I think the yeah. whole Dawn thing, I think the whole Dorn thing is just to basically clear out Dorn so that uh, it won't be so complicated for the dragons to come there. I think that's like the landing point for, um, yeah, I think that's the landing point for, oh, what's her name out east? Really? Mm. Yeah, I think that, you know, basically Dorn fight, starts a fight with King's Landing. King's Landing wipes out Dorn the way they have always in the past and then goes back to King's Landing and leaves Dorn severely weakened. And then that way all the Dothraki show up and they can figure out how to get horses off boats without just being summarily murdered. Mm. Mm. I like that. Otherwise, what is Dorn for? <laughs> what is any like of this for? A place just for... to be boring? I, I mean, mean what, you is, know. what is the Iron Island for at this point, too? I, I, well, I, like, I like that idea, actually, because I always thought that the ships were the, the Iron Islands were going to pair up with Danny, and then she would come in through there, and sort of make their way to like Dragonstone and stuff like that. But I, I like the idea of Dorne too. Well, all the ladies could unite, and Dorne and the Iron Islands, and Danny. All the single lady. Yeah, I just you know you're right, Donald. Though with the Iron Islands, it's like are we going to like not see them for a while, and then all of a sudden Danny's there? Like hey. Welcome back. I mean, I don't know. I just, it's kind of confusing with Dorne and the Iron Islands, you know, Slaver's Bay. It just, you know, I'm sure it'll all come together, but it's kind of like, okay, what, you know, what's going to happen when winter comes? Do that, does it affect those places too? I know Jon Snow wants to go south. Uh, he's not going to do that anymore necessarily, but um, yeah, it's, I guess I have to look at a map, but it just seems very. Where are all these, all these spots? Where is it all gonna? I mean, is it all gonna wind up at King's Landing, or is it, you know? Well, I mean, I think that there's something, you know, there's something that we haven't figured out yet in Jamie's whole thing about how Mace Tyrell is going to stand down, you know, mm-hmm. and and this idea that that the army is going to come in, but then somehow he's going to not tell them what to do. You know, and so I'm not sure. I I, I wasn't able. What's that? You mean mean Kevin, right? Yeah, Kevin. Yes. Sorry. Yes. So, you know, I'm not, it's not, I don't think it's really clear, like, how all of that's going to play out. But it seems, I mean, you know, Jamie's got to have a plan, right? Like, I feel like they are basically intending to kind of take control of that army somehow. That's what I, that's what I, okay, so. Low. He says. They say this, Queen of Thorns, you have the largest army. Order your army to come in. We'll open the gates. Your army will 
take just before she's going to do this walk, your army will take out hopeful and hopefully kill the high sparrow, take out all these people and then uh, give Mar then give us Marjorie. Once you give us Marjorie, you'll stand down and the king Tommen won't be upset because his bride will be back. Right. Is that am I correct? And that's the plan. Yeah, I believe that's the plan as he described it. Okay, so I don't, what I'm trying to see, and maybe what you're trying to see is where are Cersei and Jamie trying to fuck over the Tyrells? Precise. <laughs> how, Precise. Are, how are they fucking them over by allowing them into King's Landing? And I just feel like at its face, this seems like another let's arm the faith militant. Yeah, it's just a rehashing of that. Where yeah, you why try to are, make a power play, but you end up screwing yourself. Yeah, it's exactly. What are we missing? I just think you just might. I, I don't think we're necessarily missing anything. I think you just might be. Is it a way to trap reading. them? Well, I don't. I mean, Marjorie's already the queen. Like they, they have the, the powers are already shifting. At yeah. this point, I think their backs are just against the wall, and that's really the only option they have. I don't know. They always have another way. Maybe there's some way that they're going to trap that the the Tyrell's army, kill them all, kill Marjorie because Cersei's so yeah, that's what I was with rage. You know. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. <laughs> what would happen? Say that happens, but then Marjorie and Tommen are killed. Who's in control? I don't know. Maybe that's how mad Cersei is that her and Jamie want to take control of it all. Maybe they want to be together and take control. Yeah, but I mean, it, either way, it doesn't work because no one's going to listen to just these yeah, two guys. That's, like, a, yeah, that's a good point. Shit. But that's part of what I was saying about Mar- about Cersei, you know, and how how much how hard they've leaned on the idea that she believes in the prophecy. That mm-hmm. it may be to the point that you know she's at a place where she's like, I'd rather just kill him myself. Yeah. You know, then then have somebody else get to do it. And that would also help clear the way for Jamie and and Cersei to take over. All right. So here, here's the question. Even if Tommen dies, does does the power go back to Cersei or is it now with the with uh, the next Tyrell? Well, I think, I mean, Tommen doesn't have an heir. I think they could claim that, you know, it would revert back to them. And they've made mention in the books and on the show about, you know, the Targaryens married their sisters. Like, Uh (laughs) let's just take you, let's just kick it old school. Why not? You know what? Now, I don't know the exact thing of this because I don't, I didn't read the books and I don't understand it. But, excuse me, I read somewhere that someone traced back the lineage and that if Tommen died, the person who's actually in line to the throne would have been Tywin. And since Tywin is dead and Jamie can't because he's on the King's guard, that's it. It would be, and Tyrion is wanted for murder. It Cersei would actually be the queen. Marjorie, these, Marjorie would have to die this, too, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. I don't know. Somebody, this was on the internet somewhere. Somebody traced it back by reading the books, and well, I mean, you can you can trace it back to Daenerys. You can trace it back to like, Gendry. I mean, oh, <laughs> I, I know, but it's just <laughs> one really one of. So what I'm just saying is, maybe some fan actually figured out some crazy thought that Cersei knew about, right? 
and that she think... thinks she can claim a rightful as a rightful heir or something. I don't know. I'm just saying. I mean, that that's interesting. I don't, I don't think Cersei could think that far ahead or, or, or even does think that yeah, far ahead. I just ahead, don't but... see how it benefits them to let that army in. I just don't. Maybe they are. Maybe Kyburn's zombie army is ready to go. Well, guys, I think that concludes our talk of, was it Donald without a book? No, Book of the Stranger, episode four of season six. It's Mikey Hull, W. Axel Foley, Donald and myself. And um, we hope DJ Timmy Hines gets back from the yellow wedding and joins us next week. Be good, brother. Uh, so what we're going to do now is we're going to end the show now. Remember, you can uh, email us for a feedback episode, smallcouncilpodcast at gmail.com, and also tweet us, smallcouncilpod, and we'll read your tweets and emails on air and discuss any theories you might have. And uh, so we look forward to uh, talking to you guys soon on the interwebs, the, through the emails, and through the ravens that we get in Donald's porch. So right now what we're doing is we're entering a little – special zone if you're a tv watcher don't like spoilers or don't like heavy theories exit now we'll see you next time on podcast little fell i mean the small council pod and we're going to talk a little i guess kind of spoiler things theories that are out there on the interwebs and possibly book related spoilers so again here we go we're headed into donald's spoiler territory outside of louisiana bar so Valor, Juliana Margulies, and Dara Gailies. All right, so let's talk about a few things. Axel, what do you want to bring up first here in the spoiler-esque part of the podcast? Well, Donald was just about to bring something up. What were you going to say about the Tower Joy stuff, Donald? Yeah, I I mean, I don't necessarily think there's anything in the books to back that up. Uh, Especially, uh, I think there might actually be more in there to to um, not back it up, honestly, with the descriptions of, of Mira. With the descriptions of Mira in the book, I don't think she's necessarily described. Oh, so you have to introduce again what you're going to say because I'm going to cut I'm going to cut that out. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, this is this is a sort of a, a theory that has been floating around, but there's not that much to back it up, especially in the show. The, really, I think what sparked it more than anything was the fact that the casting of Mira, uh, the actress, kind of looks a little bit like Jon Snow. And then there's always the thought of, of Howland Reed and his importance to the to the book. And, and now it seems to have been introduced into the show. And in the book, he was always the, the person that was there with Ned and the like one of you know the only survivors. So he, whatever secret that people have been having these theories about for what, twenty years now, Howland Reed was always the key. Now in the show, what we have is like the introduction of Bran sort of being able to go back in time and portray to the audience like what happened and we can see it firsthand and we don't have to have this necessarily this, this character come out of nowhere oh by the way you know john snows was born in the tower of joy see you guys later you know we don't have to have that sort of exposition where in a book it might make a little bit more sense so um what i was thinking was that you know we were introduced to howland reed and, and the the not the black sparrow what's, this, what's the guy's name the three-eyed three-eyed, three-eyed. uh he he makes a point to say that's that's Holland Reed, Mira's father. So uh, I started to, to think back, and I, I looked up a little bit of the theory that uh, perhaps Leanna was having twins. And like I said, there's really not much to support it at this point. It's really just something interesting, and it would sort of add to the importance of Holland Reed if Ned uh, took the boy and Holland Reed took the girl. 
So uh, we would actually have two sort of heirs, or, or two Targaryen, half, half Targaryen, half Starks. I don't really know what that adds to the show, but at, at, or to the to the story itself. But at this point, like, what well, what does it really add to, of John being half Targaryen? You know, I mean, he has a claim to the throne, I suppose. But uh, you know, so does Danny, and so does pretty much at this point anybody who has the ability to go in and kill Tommen or kill enough people, you, you can say they have a claim to the throne. So. At this point, I don't really know what it is, but I thought it was a really cool theory. It's something to think about. Hmm. Oh, Mike, what do you think about that? Well, I think that... Uh, I mean, I think that it possibly... I'm really interested in the idea that the children of the forest have made a re- reappearance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the children of the forest are something that are de- much more developed in the book, not really that yeah. developed in the book, but more so certainly than in the show. But now, you know, there's always, they, they are spoken of as being extinct, you know, and, and made extinct a long time ago. But we've seen them now with Bran and the Three-Eyed Raven very clearly. So I, I one thing that has always been interesting to me is kind of the description of the Kranig men, you know, the, the kind of Howland Reed's people. And they tend to be described in ways that are kind of similar to the children of the forest. Um, So I've been interested to see how, you know, if there's something about her experience growing up there. Like, it seems to me like they, you know, the Kranig men have been important, but not really fully developed yet. So I kind of wonder if it's got something to do with, with, you know, she is not actually of them by birth, but is connected to them, you know, through her upbringing. And so maybe that would be a way that they could kind of get involved. Mm-hmm. But that's really I, I, not so much about her or even about the whole twin at, that's not really even about any of that as much as it is just kind of about her. Like you don't need the twin thing for that yeah. other than just as a way to make her extra relevant. Yeah. Well, but the I, I show think both, though. Yeah. I think we're both, like at that sort of conclusion that Mira is a little more important and that there's something there. I mean, we could be totally wrong, but I think that that's sort of the aim of both like the theory. Yeah. I think Mira has, there has to be importance. Cause even in the first episode or the second episode of the season was like, you need to stick by the children of the forest was like, you need to stick by him or whatever it was the three eyed Raven who said it, you need to be with him. And she's like, what the hell? We ain't going to fight from a tree, you know? So it would make it more interesting. But again, a Reed and a Stark in together. I mean, she does look like John. Oh, she really does. I don't know if that's coincidence or if that's going to be anything. But um, I mean, Axel and Tormund look alike. But what does that have to do with the story? <laughs> it's true, baby. It's true. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, you know, as far as uh, as far as a show watcher. If that is, in fact, part of the show, I wouldn't see, I see much more groundwork for, like I've said before, for for a Jon Snow. Um, but I also wouldn't explain how she then also happens to have a brother who they claim is her twin brother. Mm-hmm. That's the same age. I got a theory. And who also has superpowers. Ooh. We talked about this, right? <laughs> like... It just, I don't, I don't know. It does, you know, what's up, Solo? It just hit me right now. What if 
when we find out in the Tower of Joy what happened, the three-eyed raven lets Mira come along with them to see, and she sees her young self as a twin. Would that have any more relevance, or would that be just totally nonsense? Would she even know that's her? I don't, I don't even know. Or would you just tell her? That's you, <laughs> Mira. Can she even do that? Can they just, like, touch someone and bring them I'm... into the tree? Like, but what if... Actually, you've had a lot of like interesting things as far as uh, your questions about these visions. And to me, didn't it seem like just a little bit like sort of hinting that, that there's a little bit more there? Uh, like, for instance, I think Jon Snow and, and Sansa made a, uh, they were, when they were talking, she was like, I wish I could go back in time to when I was leaving Winterfell and tell myself don't go. And I, I said, I was like, man, that seems like I started like doing a little bit of foreshadowing. Cause you know how we always say, you know, we go back and look and like, Oh, there's some foreshadowing in there. You know what, man, I had that crazy theory. You know what, Donald, I'll tell you what, man, I thought about something exactly like this. And you know what uh-huh. I thought? What? That at some <laughs> point they're like this to Jon Snow. If you had just left Craster alone, and we could keep on getting the babies, we would have left you alone. We would have stopped then. Mm-hmm. You were making these raids. You were incur- you know, making all these big incursions with the Night's Watch into the t- our territory. The wildlings were getting united. So, But if you had just done that, we would have left you alone. And then, like, they go back, Bran goes back in time, and he's like, John, don't get mad that he's fucking his daughters. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Sam. No, it can't go that way, man. I don't no. think it can go that way. But, uh, but no, but, what I'm just thinking is, you know, that would be kind of a twist. Again, I didn't read, oh, uh, no pun intended. I didn't Jojen read any of the books, but um, <laughs> after, after uh, Swords. But um, I don't know. I don't know because interesting if she's like ticked off, like they're, they're not including me. And then all of a sudden they bring her in somehow because her brother had power. So, you know, maybe she has, you know, I don't know. It's just something to make it kind of her useful, I guess. Because I hate well, to is Donald <laughs> get an orgasm? What's going on? Here, here's the thing. I, I'm still stuck on that. I, what is the point of showing Bran scream out Ned's name and having him turn around if they're not going to play with that? Like, isn't there a thing called like something something with a gun in writing? Yeah, Chekhov's gun. Yeah, Chekhov's gun. Like, gun I, don't, I don't see them doing that, and then not even if he I doesn't totally necessarily change you. the past. I think they're going to play with that in some kind of way. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with you, man. And that's why I think it's just, I'm just worried about it. I think they are. Maybe, you know, the only thing I could think of is if the if the Blood Raven guy is telling him that that's what it, it's whispers or whatever, um, that he's tried it before. Well, there's, a Mike could probably talk a little bit more about this than me because he's been on Matt's podcast like 8,000 times. But there's the whole Ghost of Winterfell theory that I don't really know that much about. But isn't that a theory, Matt, Mike, um, that that's brand? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's a couple of different theories about who it is, you know, but Bran is the one that, I mean, otherwise you're relying on like... um Benjamin or something like that. You what know you, what I mean? Why, what are you talking? I don't have any idea what you're talking. Is it a big spoiler or something? It doesn't. 
No, it's just, you know, there's a couple of people that die that it's not exactly clear who killed them. There's, you know, a point where Theon is walking through the yard and he sees a guy in a hooded cloak and the guy seems to know who he is, but Theon can't figure out who the guy is. You know, there's just a couple of, of like, you know, semi-unexplained happenings that have been kind of generally blamed on the quote-unquote ghost of Winterfell. So, you know, in one sense, it's like, okay, maybe it is, you know, maybe it makes sense that it's like Benjen or whatever because he's out walking around, you know. So there's a couple of things that are are kind of given over to the ghost of Winterfell that would be hard to imagine, like that Bran couldn't pull off by whispering. You know, he would. we'd have to see him with some other power that we haven't seen him with. Mm-hmm in order to be the ghost of Winterfell. Um, but it's not totally clear, you know, but the, the, but those things also don't necessarily all need to have been done by the same person. You know, it could be that it's not just Bran that Bran does. So, but there's not near, there's not enough, even with what we've been given so far this season on the show, there's not enough to say this is what it is, you know? Yeah. yeah. Isn't there also... Um a moment where Ned could possibly hear Bran or was it through a tree? Yeah, there's a, there's a moment where, where Ned is praying by, you know, one of the, the gods, you know, in the godswood and he's praying by one of the trees, the fancy white trees. Um, and he, you know, he basically kind of, he thinks he hears something, but it doesn't really come to anything. Mm -hmm. And so it's been speculated many times over that that's Bran talking to him through a tree. Oh, Oh, this is what I wanted to say. And I I can't remember if I heard this on a podcast or I thought about it, but whatever. Um, When when he mentioned that, the whispers, it made me think that, isn't that something that Jamie said about the Mad King, that he heard whispers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was on a podcast this week, I believe. Okay. That that was Bran uh, sort of inadvertently driving the Mad King crazy. Or was it the Blood Raven guy? Could be, could be like I'm too. saying, like he did it already, and he's some maybe he's somehow to blame for this whole rigmarole. See, that's where you get into dangerous territory with time travel and stuff, as we've well seen with Lost. Yeah, I was just thinking Spurs on the island. I'm like, yeah. oh no, don't go there, Polo. <laughs> yeah. So, but then there, there's also the because we haven't really seen as far as like the, the detail and then and what Brand is doing. We haven't really seen that in the in the books yet. So. Uh, there's also the, the the theory that these aren't necessarily the past, but sort of like reconstructions of yeah, what happened. That's what I think. That's what I'm starting to think. I don't think that they're going into the past. They're like seeing a ghost, like an image, like an echo mm-hmm. of what occurred. Echo, echo, echo. But then again, it still it still kind of throws a wrench in there because why would Ned turn around? Well, the Three-Eyed Raven does say if you... If you stay too long, you'll get trapped in that time. So what does that mean? Would Bran literally be stuck in there and have to live his life out from that well, point on? The good thing about that is I think that's also a um, Hitler's gun or whatever you guys said it was. Check Kirchhoff's <laughs> gun. <laughs> Check uh, off. I, I think that he said that for a reason, too. And I think if, we, if we're going to see Bran get caught in one of those moments. Yeah. yeah. Well... Oh, Maybe he goes, he kind of goes back in himself. You know what I mean? Like the old Uh Neo trick. You Uh know what I mean? Like he goes too early and he plugs into the tree himself. 
without yeah, yeah. the guidance. It's like the big, the big Star Wars theory um, that that this is Luke sort of thing, and 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 he leaves before his training is you know done, and he tries to go do it himself. Yeah. And, okay. Well, th- there's one. There's a spoiler thing I wanted to mention because I wanted to ask Donald and Mike how you felt about it. Um, one of the kind of spoiler things that I knew is that some of this John stuff that's happening now was actually the reason for why he was killed in the books. Right? So yeah, it's a little different circumstances. In the books, he gets this letter, this same letter from Ramsey, and it's called like the pink letter or something like that, right? Uh, correct. And then he decides to go and try to attack Winterfell, and then that's why the Night's Watch kills him, because they're like, that's not part of our purview. We're here to protect the wall. You're going against what we said. Am I correct? I'll I'll probably lean to Mike a little bit more again, uh, because he knows a little bit more about that, but you're you're correct in, in the... And what you're saying, most of the mostly, but I think the big thing about the pink letter in the book was that we didn't know who wrote it or if it was even um, that person was telling the truth. Oh, right. And the, the, yeah, the big mystery in the book is not really a part. I mean, I think it's there's not really a lot of at least I didn't see anything tonight that presented a question. You know, the only time he's he John questions whether or not they really have Rickon, and then Sansa's like, yeah, no, they've got him. Um, so, you know, so I think that's, I think all of that is correct. But the other thing is, you know, in the book, they didn't need the pink letter to kill him. Well, I just like what you're saying is correct. And also I think at this point, irrelevant to the show. Yeah. It's not necessarily a spoiler or anything. Yeah. But I find that to be interesting though, from a show watcher's perspective that I kind of like the way they did that. So now they can, now John can go there. You know what I mean? Like, I think that I like Yeah, it was to give, a good reorganization. I agree. Yeah, yeah, to give them credit. You, everybody's always crapping on these guys. And I think that this is a smarter way to tell the story. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Axel, because remember Stannis was like, I'll give you your Stark name if you go and take over yeah. Winterfell. And, and he's like, I can't leave the Night's Watch. And so <laughs> they even did it way back then. Like, that he wasn't going to do it, but now with the events, I think it works better. I mean, so I agree. Egret. Okay, cool. So that was, but that was that like <laughs> a big, was that like a big book reader moment for you guys? Mike, did you like, were you at all like, Oh, no, not at all. Nothing. No. Well, I kind of, I mean, I kind of, I thought, I believe that Ramsey wrote the letter when we were talking about it in the books. You know, I thought the idea that somehow he didn't write the letter, that that wasn't leading to that, just seemed kind of odd. Like, what else is John? Even if John decides that he's going to go to Old Town just to go, like, hang out with Sam, he's still got to go past Winterfell on the way. (laughs) So, like, that always seemed to me like a weird kind of thing for people to be focused on, because where else is that going to go? Well, I could see, as you say that, um, we don't have to go through the whole thing in the books who could, cause I'm sure it's like all this stuff that totally never happened in the show. But, um, I could see like Littlefinger in the show trying to prompt Jon Snow in some way, but why would he do that? He could just write a letter that says, meet me outside the gates, man. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's no reason for him to try to trick. The, so the only, I guess, in this show, I I didn't think that was brought up. I didn't know about that, but I didn't think that was at all brought up in the show at all. Yeah, I agree. Like, there's no question yeah. that Ramsey it's wrote a, the letter. Yeah, and, and and it was different circumstances too. I think he had uh, he had Gene Gene Pool, and uh, he was they were passing it off as Aria. So it yes, wasn't Gene. it was it wasn't Rick on. And he also, I think he also mentioned that he had killed Stannis, and we don't necessarily think Stannis is dead in the book. So it was just, it was just a lot of things to like peel, peel open, and, and you know, read that letter a million times and try to figure out what, what was going on. Whereas a lot of times in the show, they'll just outright just tell you, like even with the uh, the mountain, where in the book we call him Robert Strong, and it's always a a question of like, is this actually the mountain? I think it's only Cersei and and Kyburn knew, but now they're just saying, hey, this is the mountain, and it's no question. It's no, nothing to even theorize about. Right. That's one thing that, you know, there's there's a number of those, like, kind of minor mysteries that are present in the book that they've just kind of disposed of in the TV show. And I don't really think any of them have hurt. I think no. it's, been, it's been fine with me. Yeah, because you can't really fool. Like, I mean, you're going to see it's the same actor. There's, there's no reason to add that extra bit to it. Another another interesting thing I think there was that uh, last week we saw Kyburn uh, giving away cranberries or whatever whatever that was. I think in the books, doesn't Varys like cut out the tongues of all of the of all of his spies so they can't can't snitch to other people? I don't know if it's all of them, but it may be. I think there. I think that that has is said about a couple of them. I don't know if it's all of them. It might be though. Yeah, no, I, again, listening to other podcasts and listening around, we had talked uh, earlier, uh, you know, I had mentioned how, you know, the, the mountain uh, would represent Cersei in a trial by combat. Who would the faith militant have? And I'm thinking of all their soldiers and stuff. There is nobody that could beat this zombie mountain unless the zombie mountain just shuts off and doesn't work anymore. But then I was thinking, we haven't seen the hound technically dead we think he died we're not sure it'd be kind of cool if we get that brother versus brother so i had mentioned that and then it evidently wasn't from my own mind uh it must have been from somewhere else <laughs> so i thought it was i thought i came up with that and i realized i probably listen to 80 podcasts and stuff so uh what do you guys think about that if the do you think the hound will come back in the show i mean it's, it's possible yeah. like i said we, we haven't seen him as far as what we know from the books, there's a theory, but I don't want to go too much into it because it could probably still happen. And okay. Might, might spoil you on the show, but there's also another interesting thing that I, I was thinking about: the fact that uh, we do have the Sand Snakes supposedly running around King's Landing, so they could possibly pledge their faith in a, in a way to sort of avenge Oberyn and fight the Mountain if that came to that. That's interesting. Ooh. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, yeah. Oh well, we don't know if Mike wants that, but. Do you find it interesting, Mike? The Dorns? Uh, I would enjoy watching the scene. I just, it's the good thing about that is that I don't really care who dies. Hopefully they kill each other. <laughs> Damn, you're cold, <laughs> Paul. If um, all three could fight him, that'd be awesome. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I heard on different podcasts people hinting at the Hound. I don't know if he's been cast. I don't know any that type of news at all. Um, I get. Is that is that a thing in in book in the book world where people want them to fight each other or something? Because oh, yeah. I did hear it on different <laughs> podcasts. 
I think they refer to it as the Clegane Bowl. Oh, okay. So, but there, but there, okay. So, I don't know anything there's about. There's also, well, there's also a lot more development in the books about the, their relationship. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. and how how shitty the the mountain was to the hound when they were kids, and you know, there's a lot more of that kind of stuff. So, you, there is a little bit more in the books to lead you to want to like, yeah, kill him. But okay. the thing with the show <laughs> is that we haven't seen. You know, there's two things in the show. We didn't see the hound with his eyes closed after he died, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a thing in the show, or at least we think it is. And also, we had very specifically last week, we had the girl, um, the girl who's training Arya ask her, you know, about her list and why wasn't the hound, you know, why did the hound get off of it, right? And that seemed like a, a weirdly specific thing to mention. Like, that's mm-hmm. not an important part of necessarily of of aria forgetting who she is um so why would that why would they bring that up all right so well that was a nice discussion tonight fellas uh nice little spoiler section and we a lot to to discuss so uh looking forward to the uh the next episode so why don't we just go around the horn real quick mikey hall any final words I enjoyed the episode, and hopefully the book will come out before next week's episode, and I can read the whole thing and be <laughs> smarter than you guys. <laughs> oh, you already are than all of us, so it doesn't matter. Speaking of smarter, Donald, uh, anything on Hitler's gun or anything you want to touch upon? No, I think we all we all touched on some great things, and, and hopefully uh, some you guys will send a lot of feedback in, and we'll have more to talk about at the end of the week. But I really enjoyed this episode. I felt like it moved on the plot very very well and i'm i'm actually looking forward to this back half of the season because i think that i think they got a lot to do especially we're only going to have short seasons for the next two i think they got a lot of stuff uh to consolidate and get the ball rolling excellent mr w axel Fulton, final words before your trial by combat no i i i i really enjoyed the episode um I thought it was uh, moving things along, and I'm looking forward to see where we go. We had a great talk. Yeah, I was just saying, we were, we, this is like a long-ass podcast, man. This is almost two hours. Extra special edition for our listeners. Yeah, I love the episode, too. Give us a review on iTunes. That'd be great. Not just, you know, I don't care if, don't care if it's one star, two star, three star, four or five, but last little review, you know, it would really help us get more visibility. So again, tweet us at small council pod. So to all the Derrigales out there, Jerakaris and Vala Juliana Margulies. You're listening to the small council, a game of Thrones podcast. Find us on Twitter at Small Council Pod. Email us at smallcouncilpod at gmail.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.